Guys, I want you to know how blessed we are to have this worship pastor. I really hope you know that. We are truly blessed to have Pastor Danny. I was almost certain James Taylor was up here for a few minutes. I don't know if you felt that, but it sounded like it for sure. We are truly blessed. Well, grab your Bibles with me and go to Galatians chapter 5 as we continue in our series called One Another. And we've been talking about, uh, especially when we started in week one, that we know that we are supposed to love one another. And we talked about that, that in week one. We've been given that directive by Jesus himself to love one another. And where we're really going in this series and what's so wonderful about God's word is that God doesn't just tell us love one another. One of the things that Jesus does is he shows us very practically how to do that. How do you do that? How do you love one another? Well, in the Bible, there are these passages of scriptures that are called the one another's, that we flesh those out and we live those out, and that's how you live out that loving one another uh, and and showing people what Jesus looks like. And so we're going to look in Galatians chapter 5, and I asked Danny to sing that song because it's just such a great song about what I want to talk to you about in the remainder of our time this morning is we're talking about carrying and bearing one another's burdens. And I want you to think about the, some of the words in that song. Now, man, I was going to sing that song for you, but, uh, you know, I decided to ask Danny, are you glad that Danny sang that? I'm just curious, okay? I wasn't sure what to expect there, but that's what I expected. And uh, you should be glad that Danny, but I've been singing that song all week to myself. In fact, Hope was like, hey, you're kind of killing the song, okay? Just letting you know, because I've been singing it out loud to myself. But, uh, but I want you just to think of some of the words. When you're down and troubled and you need some love and care, you just call on my name. And what does he say? And I'll be there, right? If the sky above you grows dark and, 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 and full of clouds, kind of like this morning, right? And, and you call on my name, I'm going to come running to you, running in. And I want you to really keep in mind the words to this song, okay? As we go into the scriptures here in just a few minutes, I want you to think it's a great song because it's a song about carrying burdens. I want you to think about this. Are you that kind of person that runs in when either everyone else runs by, which is very common today? It's not a lot of times that, that, we, that we don't care about people. It's that for many of us, we're so busy, we may just run by because we're so busy. Or, uh, you know, some people will run out because maybe things get complicated whenever life gets hard for people. Are you the kind of person that runs in? Are you the kind of person? So I want you to be thinking about that in your relationships. Do people think about you in that way that, that they know they can call out on your name and you're that person that comes running in? The other thing I was thinking about is this song, uh, you know, and I know this isn't like a, a scriptural song or anything. It's just a pop song, right, that's been popular for so many years, but it's so powerful And when you think about this, Jesus, that's what Jesus does with us, right? He comes running in. You call on his name. He runs in for us and he bears our burdens as Pastor Randy was talking about. He's that friend that sticks closer than even a brother. He's so close to us. And so I want you to think about that great song just as as we continue on this morning as we look in the scriptures. I love in his book, Eye of the Storm, Pastor Max Lucado, he, he talks about a story about a little parakeet named Chippy. I don't know if you've heard this story before, but it cracks me up. It was a normal day for, for the little parakeet. 
Chippy was just being himself, just doing parakeet things, just hanging out on the perch in his little cage. And he was just singing away, right? And it was just a normal day for him. And he never saw coming what was about to happen to him on this particular day. One second, he was sitting there peacefully singing, enjoying his little parakeet world there, when, uh, and just minding his own business. And before he knew it, he was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. See, the problem happened whenever Chippy's owner decided that she was going to clean his birdcage with the vacuum cleaner. And so she got the vacuum cleaner and got the little extension to the vacuum cleaner and put it inside the cage and was really paying careful attention at this point. But as she did this, the phone rang and she turned over to answer it and forgot that she had left the extension hose in the, uh, in the cage with little Chippy. And so she answers the phone and the next thing you know, she hears this, okay? And so Chippy got sucked in. The bird owner just gasped when she realized exactly what had happened. So she frantically put down the phone, turned off the vacuum cleaner, opened the bag, and there was poor little Chippy. Stunned, not dead. Yes, he was still alive, but he was gasping for air. He was covered with dust and soot and all the gross things that get sucked into a vacuum cleaner, right? So in response, thinking she would help this situation, she grabbed little Chippy. She ran to the bathroom, turned on the faucet full blast and put him underneath that water, holding him under the running water for a few moments, completely soaking him and drenching little Chippy. But then she realized how soaked and drenched he was and that he was shivering from just being so cold. And she did what any compassionate little bird owner would do. She reached out for her hair dryer and took Chippy and turned her hair dryer on and tried to dry him off with the hot air. Poor little Chippy never knew what hit him. He'd been sucked in, washed up, and blown over, right? A few days later, after all the trauma, one of the lady's friends, as she had told some of her friends about what happened, one of her friends called just to check in on Chippy to see how he was recovering. And this was what the bird owner said. She said, well, Chippy, Chippy doesn't really sing much anymore. He just kind of sits on his perch and just stares a little bit. Can you hardly blame him, right? When something like that happened in his life, this is the kind of experience that is, is enough to rob the song out of anybody's heart, right? Wouldn't it, if it were you? Well, I want to ask you this. Have you ever had a day like Chippy, right? Have you ever felt like that where you've just kind of, you know, maybe been peacefully minding your own business when out of nowhere kind of the vortex of life kind of sucks you in, right? Beats you up a little bit pummels you for a few moments. It didn't kill you, but it definitely roughed you up and you're a little bit wounded, right? You've been roughed up by life. Life can definitely be hard sometimes. Would you agree with me, church, right? Life's tough. Life can definitely be very difficult at certain times and sometimes it can be so overwhelming and so heavy and so much that the, that the joy or the song in your heart can literally be stolen from you. And it kind of gets taken out from you because you're just trying to exist. Again, didn't kill you, but just roughed you up and you're pretty wounded. I mean, we all have, as we talk about this on a regular basis, we all have problems. We all have trials, whatever we want to call them troubles, burdens, whatever you want to call them, 
Sometimes it's an overwhelming struggle with personal sin. Maybe that's something that has you very frustrated and you're just struggling with some personal sin that just kind of you keep succumbing to and you just feel a lot of shame and guilt this morning. And, and you know, we, we all need someone to run in whenever we're like that. I don't know if you realize this, but you're wired for that. God wired us for relationships. You, you and I, we both need someone to run in in times like that in our lives. God's intention for the church is for us to have the kind of relationships that when you hear a song like this, it doesn't make you sad. It makes you glad because you know you've got people like that in your life. You realize that that is a true song about your life, that you know that there are people that you can call on or when they see that you're going through something that's very difficult. And we're all supposed to be connected to one another in such a way that we bear one another's burdens. That's what the scripture tells us that a church is supposed to look like, what a church family is supposed to be like. It's one of the many ways that we demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ in our lives to the people who are around us is that we help share some of the burdens that they are experiencing. Jesus says, in fact, that whenever we are loving people like that, he says, that's how people who are out in the community that don't know about me, that's how they're really going to find out about me is when they see the way that you love each other in the church, when they see that you're not fighting with one another, but instead that you you share burdens, you you go to bat for one another, you love each other in such a way, that's what being a Christ follower is all about, is what Jesus would say, that's what I want my church to be known by. I don't want my church to be known by what it's against. I don't want my church to be known by what you want to protest, what you want to boycott. My church is not going to be known by the fish bumper sticker that's on the back of your car or the clever t-shirts that you come up with. That's not what he says. I want the church to be known by. He says, you're to be known by your love. You and I, we are to be known by the way that we love each other. That's what Jesus said. And that's what we want to go after here at EBC, right? In this series, you guys know we're building a brand new building. And this is so important that we understand this. And we just, if you get tired of us saying this, just you're going to have to bear with it because we're going to keep saying it. Praise God for the new building, but the new building is not us, right? And, and I was sitting thinking as I was listening to Pastor Randy talk last week, as we were, as I'd mentioned to you that uh, the foundation had been poured, the steel is coming this week, guys. It's coming this week. I started thinking about this because a lot of times we think it's months off, which it is, but I started putting it into Sundays. Do you realize we realis- realistically should everything kind of hold together weather-wise? Yeah, right? And uh, we should be in our new facility within about 30 or so Sundays. Put it in that perspective for you. That's exciting, right? It's exciting, but it also just should, should really just make us go to work and be sure that we're working on who we are and that we are ready for that as God is leading us to that. It, J- Jesus doesn't want EBC to be known even for that new building. That's not what he wants us to be known for because that new building at some point will not be new anymore. He wants us to be known for the way that we love each other. So before we go any further today and look in God's word, let's just pause right now and let's ask him to teach us from his word. How do we do that? Will you just go and join with me in prayer? So, Lord, here we are again, sitting at your table with you, Lord, sharing in this meal of your word. 
Lord, it's a miracle that we can even come to the table and sit with you today. And Lord, for, for that, we are just so grateful to you, Lord Jesus, that you have made that possible for us. We're also thankful, Lord, that you don't just give us this directive and command to love each other and just, just say, just I hope you can figure that out. Lord, you, you actually and literally, very literally modeled what that looks like for us. You showed us how to love one another. You showed us, Lord, how to put our faith into action. And we thank you, Lord, that you are the kind of God that will bear our burdens. As we just sang about this morning in all of these songs, Lord, you bear our burdens. We can come to the altar before you. Lord, you've invited those of us who are heavy burdened today to come and lay these things down before you and find our rest in you. And Father, it's our desire that as we do that, that we become that conduit of blessing for others, Lord. We want to ask you to teach us to be that same agent of your love and comfort for those around us that are hurting and that are burdened, and that you would help us understand what it means to bear one another's burdens like you do. God, it's in your good name that we pray that prayer today. Sincerely, God, we ask you to teach us from your word. Lord, we don't want to just hear your word today. Would you move us into action today? And it's in Jesus' good name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So in Galatians chapter 5, uh, this incredible book, Paul wrote this church, to this church that he planted. Our church is actually in the region of Galatia there. He planted several there. And in hearing this message, and he, he really was teaching them about Christ's grace and the forgiveness and the freedom that they have in Jesus Christ. And, and they were celebrating their freedom in Jesus. But then there were some false teachings that came in and started really uh, bringing in some what was called legalism. And, and the, a group that was known as the Judaizers were bringing in uh, the Mosaic law and saying, listen, you've got to do this as well. And Jesus isn't enough. And so this oppression, this religious oppression was now creeping in on their religious freedom. And it was corrupting their understanding of God's grace in their life. Okay, So I want to be sure you understand that first before we read the passages of Scripture today. So in Galatians chapter 5, Paul is going to remind them that they are indeed free in Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful that you have freedom in Jesus Christ? Amen, right? We are free from sin. We're free from the bondage of sin. We are free from the Mosaic law and the bondage that, that the law can bring upon us, Lord, because, because we realize that we can't fully live out the, the 600 plus laws that were there, right? And he's talking about your freedom in Jesus Christ, right? And now in chapter 5, he's going to start talking about walking in the Spirit of God. And he's going to talk about what that looks like as a believer, not just talking a big game about being a Christian, but actually living it and walking that out. And so he's going to say that as you walk by the Spirit, there's going to be some things that are going to be evident about your life to people around you. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. You're going to have, and if you know them, say, say them with me, you're going to have what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's going to be evident in your life as you are walking and allowing the power of Jesus to live through you with other people, okay? And so, and then in chapter 6, we're also going to read a part of chapter 6, he is going to address their freedom in Christ. He's going to talk to them about their freedom in Christ and say, now listen, you are free in Jesus Christ, but that doesn't mean you're free to just sin and do whatever you want to do because you take advantage of the grace of Jesus. 
He's also going to say that doesn't mean that you are, are free in a sense that, that you don't have responsibilities and expectations in living out what is called, and it's very important you understand this, the law of Christ. The law of Christ. Now, what is the law of Christ? It is to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it is to love your neighbor or to love people around you in the same manner that you have been loved by Jesus Christ. Right? And that, that's what the law of Christ is. I mean, it's very simple. It's simple to read out. It's not simple for many of us to do, right? Okay, because we know that oftentimes we have so many things that are battling for that attention in our lives. So Paul's going to say, use your freedom in Christ for something good. Now look with me in verse 13 of chapter 5. He's going to say this. For you have been called, he says, to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your, say it with me, church, your sinful nature. Instead, he says, use your freedom to, and read this with me out loud, to serve one another in love. Say it with me again. To serve one another in love. Now look, for the whole law, that's the Mosaic law, for the whole law can be summed up in this command, say it with me out loud, let's go, love your neighbor as yourself, okay? So he's going to talk about that freedom and, and how the whole law is summed up in how you love and that you're living that out in how you love. Now in chapter 6, he's going to talk about putting that into practice and he's going to show us this, that what it looks like for a church to be more than just an event, you see, the church is not an event. It's not a place. It's an organism. It's who we are. And he's going to say, this is what this is to look like. It's a family. It's supposed to be a family. Now look at chapter 6, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, what does that sound like to you? A family, right? Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly. Now, what that means is those of you who are walking in the spirit that he's describing in chapter 5. You are walking by the fruit. You have the fruit of the spirit that's evident in your life. You're walking in the spirit. Those of you who are spiritually strong right now, that's what he's saying. You who are spiritually strong, you who are godly should, say the words with me, gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. This is what is called biblical restoration. It's restoration, and it's something that we as a church, we practice. Whenever a believer is broken and struggling with sin, we come alongside them. We don't shoot our wounded. We come alongside them, and we try to biblically restore them and biblically get them back onto the right path that they were on. Now, look, he's going to give a warning to those of us who are doing this, and this is very important that we receive this. And be careful... And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Now, I want us to say this next part. And this in the original language in the Greek is in what is called the imperative mode. It is a command. It's not a suggestion. Say the next verse with me. Verse 2. Say it with me. Share each other's burdens. Say it again with me. Share each other's burdens. That's what he's saying, okay? That's a command. And in this way, in the way in which you're sharing one another's burdens, he says, then you are obeying the law of Christ. Now, I love how direct and blunt Paul is. Don't you love that? Do you like someone just to be straight up with you? Okay, listen to what he's going to say. And it really makes me laugh whenever I read this. If you think you are too important to help someone, 
You are only fooling yourself. Now, I want us all to read the next part out loud because it really is funny to me. Say it with me. What does he say? You are not that important. Don't you love how direct Paul is? He's saying, you think you're all that? You're not, okay? He's very direct, and he says, now, he's not saying that we are not of value. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, if Jesus Christ himself, the master, is willing to humble himself and do these very things and come alongside people, he's saying this, we are never above the master, And if Jesus is doing this, then you are called and I am called as well to come alongside people. None of us are exempt from the responsibility of sharing in one another's burdens. We are not exempt from that. You're you're not to be too busy for this. If you're too busy to do this, you're too busy. All right? Because if Jesus, who also was very busy, can do this, then you are, we, you are and I am not above this. We are called to do this. You're not to delegate this. You're not too old. You don't retire out of this. You don't get to a certain socioeconomic status and those kinds of things are relegated to the help. Right? You don't, this isn't just something that's, that pastors are supposed to do. He's clearly saying that as a Christ follower walking in the Spirit of God, that as long as you are breathing This is part of your mission. This is part of your existence. It's a bottom line or what we would call a baseline responsibility in discipleship is to care for one another's burdens. He's really just just talking about just living out your faith is what he's saying. I mean, that's, that's all it is. He's not getting complex. He's not getting complicated. He's just saying love each other and share with each other's burdens. Don't be too busy for one another. Be in each other's lives. Now, I want you to think about this, and some of you are so incredibly good at this. Some of you are so wonderful at sharing burdens with one another, and I've watched that time and time again happen in our church. Can you imagine, though, with me what it would really look like in our church if every person that calls themselves a believer here at EBC, if this were actually the case where you were living this out really on a daily basis, what would that look like? in our church. Can you imagine um, the kind of love that would just be emanating from this place in our community? Can you imagine just the kinds of stories and God's stories that would happen if it wasn't just this expectation that there's just a, a handful of people that do that or that that's, that's only rele- relegated to a group of folks or maybe only the benevolence team or maybe this or, or whatever, but it was us just living out our faith, us just noticing people and the needs and the fact that we're so connected because we're doing life together that we actually know what's going on in one another's lives. You see, one of the reasons that a lot of times this doesn't happen is because we're not connected. We're not doing life together. Maybe we're not in life groups together or life transformation groups. And and you cannot do life together just by coming to an event one time a week. And what he's saying is that the early church, the reason they grew so exponentially fast is that they were doing life together every single day. They were in each other's lives. They were connected to one, to one another. And that kind of love is so incredibly attractive. It's, it's so much more than a new building. The early church didn't have a new building. The early church didn't have clever programs. What they had was they had love that was bursting forth. And as people were going through some of the most difficult stuff that was happening in their life, what they had going on was they had people loving each other. And people would notice this. 
And they would ask about it and they would realize that they didn't have anybody like that in their life and they would want that in their life. It's beautiful. It's how the church is supposed to function, right? It's how a family is supposed to take care of each other. And that's why they were growing so rapidly. Now look at verse 4. He says, pay careful attention to your own work for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. So he's saying, Pay careful attention to yourself. Don't be comparing yourself. You don't need to compare to others, right? He's saying, you do your part. Now, what he's going to say next is very important. For we are each responsible for our own conduct, all right? Now, another way that translates is this, is that each will have to bear his own load. Now, that is not a contradiction where he's saying you need others to share the load with you. There are two different words that are being used there in the original language when it talks about sharing burdens. He's saying this. He's saying that we're all going to have to do our part in carrying our burden from daily life. Life is hard. We're all going to be going through the grind because of the fall of sin. And sometimes life is hard and you just keep pressing forward. You keep carrying what you can carry. But what he's saying is that there comes a certain point in everybody's life that the burden gets too heavy and you need someone else. I think about this. About five months ago, uh, our family, we moved. And when we moved, um, I did as much as I possibly could to box up and pack and carry as many of the things that I could carry by myself because I just, I don't like to put people out. Some of you feel the same way. And, and so I did as much as I possibly could, right? And I was just doing what I could in, in that, in that pr- process of moving. Uh, how many of you, you just, first of all, you just love moving. It's exciting. Isn't it exciting? I didn't expect anybody to raise their hand. How many of you, you absolutely love helping people move? You can't wait. How many of you, right? Right? Nobody, right? If you have a truck, what do you do? You hide during those times, Right? <laughs> But seriously, I mean, it's not any fun. It's a burden. It is a burden to go through that. And so many of you have gone through that even recently, and some of you will be going through. But there were things that I could carry on my own. But you know what? There were some things that were in my house. There's no way I could have done it by myself. And here was the incredible thing. I didn't even have to ask people. Some of you, you just, so many of you, and so many of you started saying, what can we do to help you? How can we help? Can we come and help? And some of you came, and, and I just think of, of some of the ones that came, like, like David and Todd and my dad and, and Mike and Thomas and Nathan and Luke, and so many of you offered. You offered, and you were willing to do that. And you know what you did? You came, and you helped me carry the piano. I wish I could have carried it by myself, but I couldn't. You came and helped me move the sleeper sofa, and you were praising God with me that it was on the bottom floor and not on a next floor level, Right? But that's what it's talking about. He's saying you do as much as you can bearing your own responsibility and carrying your own weight. But what he's really saying is that, but there's also going to be a time in your life where you're going to have to have someone to share the load with you. We all go through this. Paul, in summary, is saying is that these believers in their spiritual liberty, the experience of grace that they were having and enjoying that, he's saying that's wonderful, but understand there are expectations and responsibilities that that we are called upon to serve one another. And and that it's not a weekly show. Uh, Church is not a weekly show. It's not an event. It's not a building. It's a family. And that's what families do. Now, I want to just tell you this. I can tell you this most assuredly right now. And I can look at you, I can look in your eyes, and I can tell you this right now without any doubt in my mind that there are some people in this service and will be in every one of the services today that are sitting next to you 
that are sitting, some of them are sitting behind you. Some of them are sitting in front of you. And they most likely are going through one of the hardest times they've ever been through in their life. Some of you, that's you, right? You're going through something right now and you don't know how you're getting through it. You don't know what, how in the world are you going to make it through this? You're just stumbling through, just trying to get through it. I just want us to be aware that when we come in on a Sunday morning and praise God, you got here in the rain. You're incredible, all right? And you did that and you got here in your canoes or whatever you did, right? I just don't ever want us to get numb to the fact that this is just about me and just my personal worship or whatever. You need to understand that there are people that are sitting next to you that are going through the hardest time in their life ever. And they are suffering and they are struggling and they feel alone and they're wondering if they are going to make it. And you know what they need? They need the church to be the church and to run into their lives. Right? To run in. To not be so consumed with us drinking our coffee and eating our burritos that we're, that we're not realizing and recognizing. I mean, we can do those things, right? That's good. But that we're, that we're missing people or that we're, that we're not involved in others' lives. And they need the church, like Danny sang a few moments ago, to be that friend, to run in. And you're the church, to run in. You don't have to fix it. Sometimes we think we've got to fix it. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to have the answers. You don't have to completely bear the burden all by yourself. You just are called to share it with them is what the scripture says. And, and what Jesus wants us to understand is that the way that he tangibly loves people, very tangibly, is through his church. It's through you. It's through your hands and through your feet and, and, and your mouth and your way of coming alongside them, being what we call the manifest presence of Jesus Christ, being Christ to people. And it's so true that it is true about every single one of us. There will also come a time in your life when, guess what, you're going to need those same people. You're going to go through some things, and I don't say that in any way with glee. I, it breaks my heart to know that you're going to go through trauma. You're going to go through tragedy in your life because the world's broken, and you're going to need people in your life. That's why it's important that you have a church family around you that is a real church family that has one another's back, that we've got each other. And I want to ask you a question, and this, some of you will get this, and some of you, you might not get it, and I hope that you will just kind of bear with me as I share a little bit about about some of my own struggles in this. But I want to ask you this question right now. Do you ever just feel really, really alone? You ever just feel that where it just kind of like, wow, just can overwhelm you? Some of you, you're like, no, I really don't. And that's okay, but listen to me. Those of you that maybe you're not feeling that right now, there may come a time where you do really feel that. And you need to know there are people that are here this morning, they feel that way. Even though they're surrounded by people. Right? Where you just feel like you're really alone and, and you know, and it's a real struggle. And, and I want to be honest with you, we as pastors, we even feel like that sometimes. We have those feelings where, where we, we can feel alone and feel like we're kind of isolated and we can even be trying to do all the right things but still just feel that kind of that loneliness or that cloud of loneliness can kind of envelop you and wrap around you. And uh, I always love to be transparent with you. You know that's just kind of a value of mine and just kind of share with you just some, some of my own personal struggle. Um, and, and as I've shared with you on so many different times, 
I have at many different times battled just what I would call a cloud of discouragement. It's a cloud of discouragement that I feel can sometimes just be chasing me. I literally can feel like it's on my, like nipping at my heels. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And it's chasing me, just waiting for me to maybe slow down so it can kind of just envelop and wrap around me so I can't see things straight. Right? And I can get caught up in that cloud. And, and there was a couple of weeks ago where, where that cloud started kind of circling around me again. And it's, it's just something that I battle. It's kind of my thorn in my side like Paul had. And it's something that I, that I battle with. And here's what's most frustrating for me about this is that I know how blessed I am intellectually. I know that I have an adoring wife, a, a wife that really loves me. And we have a great relationship. And I have an incredible son and daughter. My parents are wonderful parents and they love me and they have always love me. So I'm not deficient in that in my life, in relationships. And my sister's great. My brother-in-law, my sister-in-law. I have a great family is what I'm trying to say. And I know this. I know that I have an incredible staff that I get to work with. I love our staff. I love it. I love that we work together. And I I love that I get to work with Pastor Randy. and, And he's one of my best friends. And don't you guys know that we have a lot of fun doing what we're doing? Amen, right? Probably too much fun sometimes, but we do. I mean, we have a blast, and we're such good friends, and that we have that David and Jonathan kind of relationship. And, and you know, and then here's what I also know intellectually. I know that I have you. I mean, you guys love me, right? Awkward moment of silence, right? Okay. I was wondering if there'd be crickets. That's, that's a real risk. I, come on, help me out. You love me, right? And, uh, but I know you do, okay? You didn't have to clap. You can clap. No, but anyhow, but awkward, right? But, 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 I, but here's the deal. Here's what I'm trying to say. Intellectually, you know those things. But then when the cloud comes around, does anybody else know what the cloud is like? Can, you, can I just, a few of you show me your hands? Yeah. Okay, thank you for not making me feel alone right now. The cloud just goes... And it comes around you. And our enemy is fierce in the cloud. And you know what he says? And you know what he said to me two weeks ago? In the cloud? It is a vicious, vicious lie. This is what he said. He said, you Now, I have come to recognize in my time as a believer that that is a spiritual attack from the enemy. And I know how to combat that, praise God, right? And at that moment, I began to combat that with the word of God. And I began to combat that. I'm in a life transformation group, and I I took a risk, and I, I revealed that to my group. And I said, I want you guys to know I'm battling with this. I know it's not true, but I'm battling with it. There's a battle that's going on in my mind, and the enemy is so vicious, and he's so... Isn't it interesting that the enemy would come after me in such a way like that when I'm trying to lead a series on loving each other and and connectedness? Isn't that interesting that that's how the enemy works, right? He's vicious like that. And so I combated that off, and as I was coming out of that, do you know what I was feeling like God was saying to me? Bart, 
I allow you sometimes to go through things like this because here's the deal. You know how to fight that. You know how to battle that. You know the truth. You know that you've got a war in, in, in battle and with, with prayer and those things. But you need to know this, that there are many, many people who are in the congregation, who are in our community, that they don't know how to fight that battle yet. And I don't want you ever to forget what it feels like to actually feel for if even for a few moments, what it feels like to be alone. Don't ever forget that is what I feel like God was saying to me. You be tapped into that. I know it hurts when you go through that. And, and I want you to lead this church to be the kind of church that runs in to people's lives and holds them up, holds them up, and reminds them that it is a pernicious lie from the enemy that would say that nobody cares. But many of them, though, wonder if that is true. Is it true? The, and the hope, church, the hope comes through you and through me in people's lives. I want to quickly just give you a biblical example of how to do this, and then I have a quick video for you, okay? I want to give you a quick biblical example of how to love one another. It's a practical example of what sharing burdens looks like. And I don't have time to break down this rich passage, but Jesus is, is in this conversation with a religious leader who's trying to ask, how do I love my neighbor? And he's really trying to trip Jesus up, okay? And here's what Jesus is going to say. He's going to give this great story that's called the parable of the good, of the good, or the, uh, the good Samaritan. And you know the story, but just watch what this guy does, okay? And then you can do this as you, as you learn. Learn how to hold people up around you. Jesus replied with a story in Luke chapter 10, verse 30. He says this, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, uh, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him up. And, and, and this is what life can do to people, right? It can just, it just knock them down before they know it. And they left him half dead beside the road, okay? So that's what happened to this guy. Now watch this. By chance, a priest, a religious person, came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant, he walked over and he, he actually looked at him. He walked over and looked at him lying there. But he also passed by on the other side. And then a despised Samaritan, there would have been boos and hisses going at that point as Jesus is telling that story to this group of people. The despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Now notice what it says that he does. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. And then the next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bills run higher than this, I'll pay you the next time that I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said, now say it with me, church. What does he say? Yes, now go and do the same. So what do we learn from the story about loving people? Quickly, write these things down. We first have to look up. 
We look up and we, we slow down enough to actually notice people around us, okay? We notice that there are people that maybe we don't know and we, we notice them and we welcome them and notice that there were two religious people that saw this guy. They did see him, but they I don't know why they didn't help him. Maybe they were busy on their way to lead a message on how to love people. Who knows, right? Okay? And they were busy or they just didn't have time or they didn't want to get involved. Maybe they was going to cost them something, and they just were like, I'm just not getting involved. We don't know why, but what Jesus is sharing here is that the point is, is that the people who should have known to help didn't help. They should have known, and yet they did nothing, and we know in the story that the Levite, the temple assistant, he does the same thing the priest does, and, and, and then what do we see? We see the Samaritan, the one that nobody would have thought would have helped. What does he do? He helps. Now, He's going to give this shocking, controversial statement. He says, then a despised Samaritan came along, saw the man, felt compassion. Now, what do you do next? You show up. You show up. He makes a choice to get involved. Verse 34, going over to him. Going over to him. All right? That's the most critical step. It's, it, it's a choice that you have to make. And I think about this. I think about a time whenever my family went through something really hard, when my dad lost a job, and it was devastating to him. And, and, and we were so sad for him in this situation. And I remember coming home and just really not knowing what to expect. Uh, and, you know, and I knew that my dad would be really upset. But I, you know what I remember? I remember that there was a man who was a friend of my dad's that was there. And he showed up and he couldn't fix it. He couldn't make things right. He couldn't, you know, get my dad this job back again or whatever as he'd gone through this devastating situation. But you know what I remember more than anything? Here's what it was. He was just there. He was just there. And I've never forgotten that even as a teenager. He just showed up. He didn't even know what to say, but just the presence there meant something and then you lift up, you show up, you get involved. This is when you start noticing what the needs actually are and you do those things that you know that you can do, right? And then the, the final thing is this. Now notice as he does all of these things, now he follows up. He makes certain that as, as he does these practical things that this is going to be an ongoing thing of ministry. Even if he can't be there, he's going to make certain that this guy is ministered to. I want to close with a video today, okay? And I want you to see what sharing someone else's burdens look like. And it's just a powerful example, a powerful illustration that looks a lot like this. Watch this. We have a remarkable video this morning of a selfless act of good sportsmanship. It focuses on two girls at a championship high school track meet in Ohio. You see them there, and Josh loved this story. You can't help but watch it over and over and over again. Because usually, let's face it, the winners of races get all the attention, but not this time. It was two girls bringing up the back of the pack who are in the spotlight today, and rightfully so. Here's why. On the track, it is inarguably the fastest runner who wins the race. But for Megan Vogel, it was finishing last that made all the difference. The 17-year-old was competing at her high school state championships and had already won her first race of the day. But in the second race, at a longer distance, Megan struggled. Going into the third lap, I started falling behind. And as Megan slipped to the back of the pack, another runner, Arden McMath, was also having a tough go. 
I was kind of blacking out. And then the last 50 meters, my legs completely gave out. But instead of passing Arden, Megan took her in her arms, propping her up when all hope seemed lost. And then... The two opponents crossed the finish line together. I was kind of just thinking that I wanted to just get her to the finish line. I was more worried about getting Arden across the line than what place I was in. It was amazing. It was a moving experience. I definitely didn't expect that. Sediments echoed by the thousands and thousands who have viewed video of the race online. This is a true hero, one wrote. Another suggesting we should all take a page out of her book. But for Megan's coach, her on-track heroics didn't come as much of a surprise. That's because Megan's coach is also Megan's mom. She has a big heart, and, you know, everyone has a light in them, and I think Megan's light just was able to shine a little brighter. I pretty much credit my parents. They're the ones that taught me to always do the right thing. Modesty from a girl who, no matter the record books, should always be remembered as the very best kind of champion. It's girls like that who make you think the future won't be such a bad place after all. Vogel, by the way, returning for her senior year next year. McMath is going to be a junior this fall. So it's a good chance they're going to see each other on that track in that race again next year. Her mom slash coach so proud of her. So we proud. all are. Right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I want you, what an incredible video, right? And that, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like is to come alongside. You look up. You show up. You lift them up. You follow up, you keep carrying them, and you cross the finish line together. As you just bow your heads before the Lord this morning, maybe you're the one that just, that you're just struggling today. And you just say, Pastor Bart, would you pray for me today? I feel alone. If that's you and nobody else looking around, would you just say, I'm struggling? Would you just, just quietly just lift your hand? I want to pray for you today. Church, I want you to know, nobody's looking around, but I want you to know there are many hands that are up. What does that tell you? I want to pray for these. Those of you whose hands not raised, I just encourage you just to notice people, to come alongside them, to love them. You don't have to fix it. Just bear the burden with them. They just need you to hold them up as they go through this difficulty in their life. Father, we thank you that you share our burdens. These who have lifted their hands today, God, Lord, you care so deeply about them. And I pray, Lord, right now that you would dispel that lie that the enemy has told them that they are alone. Lord, that you would just, your presence would flood into their lives at this very moment, God. That they would feel a closeness from you. Lord, that their brothers and sisters in Christ would come around them. Lord, and we, we don't always know the right things to say, but Lord, just showing up means so much. Just being in each other's lives. And so, Father, would you encourage these who are discouraged today? Would you comfort them as only you can? And Lord, would you mobilize us, your church, to love by sharing the burden with them today as they are overwhelmed right now? Father, thank you for showing us how to do this. May this church be known by our love, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray.